This is the Teachable Soul Podcast. Because we cannot possibly live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves, let's take a few moments to learn from the mistakes of others. The Teachable Soul Podcast, where guests and listeners like you share stories of failure and teachable moments on the journey to success. Here's your host, Kat Daniels. Welcome to the Teachable Soul Podcast. I am your host, Kat Daniels. And in honor of Women's History Month for my in-print series all month long, I'm going to be interviewing amazing women who will likely be a part of history. So without further ado, my guest today is the CEO of Evolutionary Healer. She is a global transformation performance improvement, or which is a global transformation and performance improvement company. She is the queen of clarity and believes that fantasizing about the impossible is totally reasonable. Striving for satisfaction is a must. And at the end of the day, love and solid relationships are all that matter. She is the spiritual thought leader and coach who finds the gaps and corrals the chaos that keep powerful, soul-centered entrepreneurs from moving their business forward with ease. It's been said that she is the perfect mix of your loving sister, sassy best friend, and eclectic great aunt, who always has a crazy and interesting story to tell. She's a published author times 21 now, as well as a book in 30 Days Coach with practical action steps and kick in the pants you need. So thank you for joining me today and a warm welcome to Linda Vetris Nichols. Thank you so much, Kat. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) You do a lot. You've done a lot. It's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, well, when you get to be my age, (laughs) I'm going to be a speed sign this July 65. (laughs) Oh, nice. A speed sign. I like how you put that, though. (laughs) That's awesome. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) You do not look 65 by any means. Thank you. Yeah. And you don't act it, I'm certain, because just (laughs) minutes of conversation we've had. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Fun, freedom, love. Those are my values. That's right. (laughs) Works every time. (laughs) Yep, it does. (laughs) So you just recently published a book, which I mean, you've published a lot. So Can you just briefly share, well, not briefly, but can you share with us a little bit about what you've learned from like the very first book that you've ever published to now? Yeah, man. First of all, I did that with somebody else and couldn't get her to finish the chapter of her kid. It was a book about kids with special needs. And I even took her to a hotel and she still didn't get it done. (laughs) So, and it's like, look, we promised all these parents we would get this book out. You know, these were parents that we had been helping. And oh my gosh, that was a fiasco. And then on top of it, we didn't have this cool Amazon thing. So it was like, get a public, get a print, printing house, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. And to get the pricing, price point of the books down to like 364, I ended up personally ordering 2000 books, putting them in my basement, (laughs) selling them to the health food store six at a time. (laughs) Yeah, it was really different. A book about special needs to a health store? Yeah, I was helping parents pull their kids out of ADD, ADHD, autism, biochemically, and learning challenges too. And so a lot of it had to do with the 
food sensitivities they were dealing with and how to check for those and the good organic foods. And people would think, oh, organic is so expensive. And it's like, well, you get what you pay for. So you could feed your kid one carrot or you could feed your kid 10. What's your choice and which do you think would be cheaper? Right. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, that was my first book. And now it's kind of just this feeling of "Ah, piece of cake. Here comes another one. I guess those like (laughs) real breeder type women (laughs) just pop them babies out. (laughs) Right. Essentially what you're doing, because you've written over 20 books in how many years now? Yeah, I just published my 21st book this year. Um, that first book came out in like 1998, and I think I started, I think my second book probably came out in 2015, something like that, and then it just got crazy from there. Wait, your second book only came out in 2015? Yeah. So you've written like over 19 books in five years, six years? <laughs> Yeah, I always say I cheat and I'm not a writer. And last year I owned I was actually an author. This year I'm owning that I'm a writer. And it's just weird. Yeah, so I'm the type of person that's like, I've got stuff all over my computer. And it's like, oh, okay, this could go together and this would go together. And and there's a book. (laughs) And I'm a book in 30 days coach. And that's a super fast process too, because I have this special exercise I do with people. I kind of call it my soul exercise. And I, I get their actual message for the world from their soul. And I, and I just make three PowerPoint slides with a title slide. And, and then um, a t- each slide has like a title and three bullet points. And that's, so it's like 12 points. And those become their chapters. And I just drag them through an interview, transcribe it, and pop it into a book template. And they're a published author. And it's really a beautiful co-creation kind of thing too, Kat. That's what I love about it the most. Mm. So we, we um, you know, we're working out of a drive dock together. And yeah, it's really a really beautiful process. That's amazing. So when you do the whole book in 30 days coach thing, do you only do that for nonfiction books or is that also for fiction books? Oh, that's a great question. It's pretty much been just like nonfiction. And it's been so cool because I'm getting a lot of trauma drama stories. And yet (laughs) I've had two clients now that put their trauma drama story into cookbooks. And I worked with mom she did a health book and then her husband he was asked to be in a compilation book so I worked with him on his chapter in the book boys do cry and then their twins their mirror twins which is super interesting and so I did a book with them on their first eight years of life. They're only eight years old. That was really fun too. So a whole family got a book. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that was really fun. I enjoyed that very much. Awesome to be able to work with kids to do it even. That's awesome. Yes, yes. And you know, I did that for the very first time and a book didn't come out of it, a story. But I was working, uh, my background is special education. And I was in a psychiatric day treatment center with very violent kids. And this, this one kid, he was kind of extra violent and 
he really had a lot of respect for me though because I wasn't afraid of him anyways yeah we just co-created the story basically it was I mean it was totally his story and we got it written down and wow it turned out so good it was it was very moving I was able to just really bring out the emotion side of the story for him and then um I did that with my daughter's kids or sorry my daughter's kids I have no grandkids list. Okay. My friends, she's like my daughter, my friends, kids. (laughs) And and that was super fun too. And her daughter was only like four years old at the time. Oh my gosh. She just fought like a teenager though. It was a riot. We had a lot of fun and that was fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome though. That's so cool. So then they drew their own pictures and published their books. Oh, do you want to share any of those titles with us? Those sound cool too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could, if I just took a minute to go grab them, I don't have them off the top of my head. Okay. Well, I'll, grab I'll them? Yeah, well, if you want to grab them after we're done and just like, sure. me, I'll just put them in the description. Let's do it. How's that? Okay, Thank cool. You. All right. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. I love, I mean, as you can tell, obviously like my podcast, but <laughs> I love like delving into the the psychology sort of behind things. So, oh, yeah. I mean, specifically the the first one that you mentioned about the the boy who was very violent is very intriguing mm. to me. I I would mm. love to read that. When I was like a teenager and stuff, I used to read like I think it was called The Lost Boy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It was a it was a story about when it was a it was a he was a man. Obviously, whenever he wrote it, but. Mm-hmm. It was a story about how he was raised and and very, very abused by his family. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm so intrigued by psychology and the way that like humans work, but I totally am. (laughs) I bet you'd love the series, the documentary series, Men Who Built America, because you go into their childhoods as well. It's fascinating. And there's a book called, I think it's called The Mystery of the Dead Dog on the Sidewalk. And it's feels like you're inside the head of a kid with autism it's actually written by teacher of kids with autism and he nailed it it's really good and he like this boy like runs away and he's like so lost in in the sea of people at the train station and it's brilliant it's very well written she's like that too yeah I bet I would I'm gonna check them both out (laughs) thank you I have just recently discovered the application Wattpad on my phone. Have you, are you on there? No. Uh-uh. No. You mean what, what's app? No, no. What? Wattpad. It's for writers. Oh. Uh-huh. And so it's W-A-T-T-P-A-D. Okay. And I think it's mostly fiction on there. I haven't run into a nonfiction story on there. Oh. But it's, you can just like go and actually put your, your book out there if you want to. Oh, got it. And then people can read it and like comment on it. But what I really love about it is that the stories like that I'm reading, they have like people have put music videos in with their like in the Ooh. scene, you know? Yeah. Oh my. And like pictures cool. of like dresses that the the woman in the story is wearing to a ball or whatever's <laughs> going on, you know. I oh, just love fun. Right? I just love yeah. the ability to add to like the story that yeah. made me incredibly happy for the past two days because I've super stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I hadn't originally added photos into 
cookbooks that I had done or that clients had done. Then, of course, with the cookbooks, we started going crazy with photos. And then my memoirs have photos. And um, yeah, my mom gave me a photo. She finally found a photo of my dad when I was a baby. And she's like, I cried when I saw it. (laughs) I lost my dad to suicide when I was like just before senior year high school. So I was pretty pretty special for her to find it after all these years anyways so it didn't make the in my father's closet memoir so I was able to use it in in my mother's kitchen oh that's good I'm glad yeah Yeah, I'm sorry about that that's did you did he struggle for a while with depression or anything before that it hit him really hard when I was four he was hospitalized by the VA for two months He's an army vet. And then when I was, I think it was in sixth grade, he was a ski instructor. He slipped a couple discs in his back and he was just in a lot of pain and kind of resurfaced again. Mm. I was a teenager and yeah, we went as a family to Minnehaha Falls and He was just sitting in a lounge chair. My dad never sat in a lounge chair. My dad was the one out hiking or something. And my mom and my brother said they were going to go for a walk. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And I really felt like he was trying to tell me, yeah, that he was leaving. So it was a big shock. Yep. He went down in like two weeks time. Like he was home. He had the blues and then he was gone. It was really fast. Oh, wow. Was he... He had slipped two discs. Was he in a wheelchair when he came home? No. No, he didn't go to the hospital for... When I was four, he was hospitalized for depression for two months. When I was in sixth grade, he slipped a couple discs. He never went to the hospital. He just had his back pain resurfaced when I was in high school. Oh, I see. Yeah, and the depression did came back. And within two weeks, he was gone. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. My brother is a musician mm-hmm. and he has a nonprofit foundation specifically for veterans cool. and prevention of suicide because with yeah. a lot more prevalent in veterans. Very much so. And his dad passed away. He was a veteran and passed away of suicide as well whenever he was young. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And the global company that I am the CEO of, my husband and I, it's kind of an umbrella company. So the, the books are one of the divisions of it. My husband figured out how to get back to lost memory in early childhood, just like what Freud was always trying to do. My husband figured it out. Together, we further developed that process. And we even like opened a nonprofit for veterans and their families to, because when you unplug that, then you're dealing, you can take care of PTSD, complex PTSD, suicide ideation, military sexual trauma, and the list goes on and on. Self-sabotage, procrastination. Yep. And it's a one and done. It's like two to three hours and it's done over Zoom. And it's that with hypnosis? No, actually, no. Freud was using hypnosis and then it was outlawed because in Germany they were actually training whoever was using hypnosis to train little children to be pickpockets. And so when they outlawed it, he had to stop. So then he started using 
psychotropics and yeah, Freud actually committed suicide. Oh, wow. Anyways, a drug, a heavy drug. So yeah, no, it isn't. And that, and the best part about it is we keep people completely out of emotion and that's how we figured out we can handle PTSD and complex PTSD. One gal, when we got done, she said, I said, I can't diagnose. (laughs) There was a lot of symptoms of PTSD here. And she said, Oh yeah, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I was even put on medication for it at one point. I'm like, okay. Then I told another lady that story. And she said, before we took her through and she said, Oh yeah, I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD. Like, okay, this will be interesting. So we took her through and we didn't need to know. We, it didn't matter if we knew or didn't know if they were dealing with PTSD. Our secret sauce is having their eyes closed and to freeze frame a memory. And we never go to any of the PTSD memories, which is a huge secret sauce. Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. No triggering. Yeah, they don't trigger. It's really beautiful. And how weird is it that they don't trigger when the first question we go to is, oh, what do you smell? Right? That's the Mm. most triggering thing on the planet. Oh, for sure. Trigger. They're fully present and don't trigger. It's really beautiful. That's awesome. That's amazing. So you're the CEO, right? Of Evolutionary Healer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, but it's you and your husband's company, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And, and so what is the purpose behind Evolutionary Healer? Well, we started out in the coaching industry and we originally were working with healers and practitioners and like our concept was getting in the money flow and we actually went to different events and we sold the what we call the CR process at different coaching events. And originally we had like a three-month package where it was like work with the person and then work on their business. So get back to the original person and unplug all the all those patterns that had built up throughout their life and reintroduce them to themselves and and support their business in really taking off. And that was really special. We did really well. (laughs) We invested $17,000 to go out to an event in Las Vegas. And we just came home like balls to the wall (laughs) with follow-up. And we turned that $17,000 investment into $48,000 in three weeks and $68,000 in two months. Because of our follow-up. Yeah. Because we are good at building no like and trust. And that wasn't even like our three-month package. That was just taking people through. Right on. Well, congratulations. Was that when was that? 2012. Yep. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say it can't have been in 2020, right? (laughs) Uh no. (laughs) Pretty sure my husband ended up with (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. My husband ended up with open heart surgery. He had a valve replaced a wicked aneurysm because he was born with a valve that pushed too much blood out at one time or allowed too much blood out at one time. So yeah. So all of that stopped. And then we ended up in the COVID thing later too. So we do a lot of stuff online now. Did they, I'm sorry, did they do surgery on the aneurysm or the heart? They did both. So the valve had to be replaced. So he has a bovine valve. He had a 
bicusp valve and you're supposed to have tricusp. You're supposed to like three things. It's like slowing it down. <laughs> right. So yes. And they barely were able to fix that aneurysm. It was like a nine hour surgery. And they also dropped the body temperature way down. They didn't have to take him down as low as they can go, but you never know like what kind of brain damage you're going to. So uh, I, it was, it was just about going into camping season and, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to bring home from the hospital and I want to go camping. <laughs> it's my thing to just right. get away, yeah. get my sanity back. Right. Yeah. So I, his daughter came and I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure he makes it through the surgery and then I'm going camping. And then the VA hospital tells me like, yeah, well, this VA is like the worst vision in the area for food. So if he has that many food sensitivities, you can just bring food in. I'm like, what? So there I was trying to get packed for camping and trying to go to the grocery store and put together food for my stepdaughter to take to the hospital. It was nuts. I And I ended up on the coldest mountain in North Carolina. I had no idea. In the spring, and so I happened to have my two Shih Tzus. We were down to one now, my two Shih Tzus with me. And thank God, because it got to be about 32 degrees. It was definitely a two-dog night. (laughs) I lasted one night. Done. Okay, check. I'm done with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a long haul. And and he hit some depression. The heart does not like to be touched. No. So. It's been a slow climb back into everything. And that's when I just like, my coach was like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. I just know what I don't want to do. Right. And uh, yeah, the whole <laughs> book client thing came into being. And I, I just have had a lot of fun letting the clients come in, letting their book covers come in, letting their book trailers come in. It's, it's been really a beautiful process and very powerful. That's super great. That's awesome for you. I'm so glad. So what did you start out doing like when you went into the workforce originally? Oh, well, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. Your whole life? <laughs> From start so, to like I stepped outside my house. <laughs> I was not allowed to go down to the public sidewalk because we were on a very busy street. So I stood on the top of the stairs, the cement steps in the front yard and screamed at the top of my lungs potato chips five cents until my neighbor joe came out and bought the whole bag <laughs> just to shut you up huh <laughs> just to shut me up. and then i babysat in fifth grade i took care of like a three-year-old and twin siblings newborns and then i even babysat one time for a girl with pretty severe diabetes And then after my dad died, I was told like I'd get money if I went to college. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) so my social security would keep going. I'm like, okay. So I just took the bare minimums. And then I found a course where I could get 15 credits if I worked in a special ed classroom. And I fell in love with the teacher. I fell in love with the kids. I went on to four-year college. And then I even did like a fifth-year program. I ended up with four licenses in special ed. And then, yeah, I pretty much was just, I mean, get through college, Burger King, Joanne Fabrics. (laughs) (laughs) And then I uh, pretty much just 
did the stay at home mom, subbed a little bit. And eventually I did work in charter school and then in the psychiatric day treatment center. But my kids were like in high school by that time. Mm. And yeah, stepped into the coaching industry with my husband of now 10 years after a 33 year starter marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Starter marriage. (laughs) Right? Sure. And he stepped out of a 33 year starter marriage. He had been divorced about five years before I met him. So yeah. And he's like, I saw you at Mona's peace meditation, somebody's house. I saw you at Mona's six months earlier and I just wanted to scoop you up in my arms and tell you you're mine and I'm marrying you. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. And I still feel that way. And I'm like, you want to marry me? He goes, yeah. And I go, when do you want to marry me? And he goes, a week and a half, two weeks, take your time. And I'm like, you're not kidding, are you? He goes, nope, sorry. (laughs) Take your time. (laughs) Yeah, we can have two weeks, take your time. So I made him wait two weeks and two days. I also made him read Women Who Run With the Wolves before I would have sex with him. (laughs) He read it really fast. (laughs) Yeah. So That's a great requirement for sex, though. Isn't it? Pro tip, right? Super pro tip. Yes. Yeah. I had read it pre-divorce and Mm. (laughs) post-divorce. Yeah. So we had no idea of each other's triggers and that got interesting. So I just, we went to this thing where it's like, I'm going to a one and then everybody just stops and it's highly respected. What matter if you're mad at the other person or not. And then you find out, okay, like what took you to a one and how do we get back, back to where we were <laughs> back to base camp. Oh, that's that smart. Really well. Yeah. We had one, two, and three, and we never got to a three. That'd be yelling, screaming, throwing things. And I hate you. And I don't mm. want to see you. <laughs> yeah. But we did threaten two off and on. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. So how did you were married and had children and were in marriage for 33 years. What, what happened that you didn't stay in it after 33 years? Yeah, well, it was interesting. The whole thing started. I had a gymnastics injury. I was going to be a professional dancer. Then they said, you'll be lucky if you walk, you'll never dance again. I proved them wrong. My dance. Oh my gosh, your life is a movie. It is, right? Right. And my dance teacher (laughs) She wanted to see if I could make an eight-hour rehearsal. So she had this really kind of padded, cushy thing for me to do. She said you could come out to Medora, South Dakota. I think it's South Dakota. There's an amphitheater there. And she was going to be going to be the director for the summer. And I could come out. If I couldn't make the eight-hour rehearsals, we'd figure it out. So I knew I was going to marry this guy. And I'm just like, here's what I... I want to do what I'm planning on doing. And he's like, well, you can go, but I might not be here when you get back. And I thought, oh, well, I know I'm marrying him. So maybe I just won't go. (laughs) That was great. Great starter. Then our kids were nuts. (laughs) And he's like, why me? And yeah. And it's funny because in my funny, not funny. Right. In my father's closet. Well, let me take you back to. My husband, 
my now husband and I were in like really big homes, like 3000 square foot homes. We downsized like crazy. We downsized when we came together, we downsized more. And we ended up in a spacious one bedroom apartment and like not much made the cut, right? Well, right. there was this, there was this spiral notebook that did make the cut. And it was from going to a marriage seminar, like a weekend seminar where they taught on something and they asked some questions and then you journaled like kind of like journaling, but you wrote a letter to your spouse and then you exchanged your notebooks and they read what you wrote out loud. And then you guys talked about it. So I kept that journaling, so to speak, that letter writing up. We both did for a little while and then I did it longer. Anyways, so so I just, yeah, I just typed it all up and dumped it into the drive dock as I was putting that memoir together. And I said to my friends, hey, will you go in there and read that? Because, I mean, I just dumped it all in there and I know it's like way too much. Mm. And they were like, oh, no, it's not. Leave every word. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. I'm like, what? Like, what are you guys smoking? Really? Yes. It's so good. And I'm like, why is it so good? What do you like about it? And they're like, because it's like the old you where who we didn't know, but we're feeling it. We, we've been that. And you were doing your darndest to make it work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, and like, now you're just like, so in your power and da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, I'm leaving it. <laughs> then so I did a dream that? interpretation in the memoir for my, in my mother's kitchen book for a client. There were like three different dreams and I left all the dream interpretation, did the whole dump again. And sure as shit, they're like, no. Don't take anything out. It's really good. Leave it all. I'm like, okay. Nice. (laughs) So those books turned out to be like, I don't know, 200 pages (laughs) with colored photos. So they're a little pricey because of that though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. So after 33 years, what made you or whoever decide to like stop being married? He was actually dealing with more and more depression. And I was not getting my needs met. And I had been in the whole like Christian world. And I really don't believe I would have stepped out of that marriage had I not met a whole different tribe of people right, at a more higher conscious level. And yeah, I just stood up for me and learned to love me instead of people pleasing. Mm. Yeah. One of my clients did a book, My Soulmate, My Love, My Narcissist. And the bottom line of attracting a narcissist is that you don't love yourself. And you're actually getting your needs met through the narcissist, which is like seriously weird. Right. Yeah. So a lot of things boil down to not loving yourself, ladies, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of ladies get caught in that little trap, that little mm-hmm. that little fly trap there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's a little, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Quite a gigantic one, actually. <laughs> yeah, so I love my clients' books because they're like women who save themselves kind of books. And they're, they're definitely wise women tales, too. That's super cool. I love that. 
Yeah, that makes me more excited now to talk to the other two that we were talking about earlier that I'm going to have oh, again yes. on later this month. That's great. <laughs> yes, that's going to be exciting. All right. So one of the other things that you had mentioned was that when you had your first child, you learned uh-huh. that everything is a choice. Hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, that was a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> so it had been forever type labor yeah. and delivery. And yeah, at one point I was looking up in the mirror was in the delivery room and I could see everything going on. And then all of a sudden, it just felt like everything stopped. And then I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, I'm in the mirror. I'm looking down from the mirror. And then it was like, oh, the baby had been born. I was in the doctor's arms. And the doctor was kind of walking along my side. And I said, I should go back because I could feel myself leaving. Yeah. I was like, I should go back. I think that baby needs me. So I should on myself at the point of death. Right? <laughs> and I think is another lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, my ego was nice and awake. <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, it's not. I think it's, I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And so, yeah, everything is a choice, even death. Wow. So mm-hmm. you died on the table and then came. Well, and I, right. And I had no idea. So about two weeks later, I was telling my friend that story and the now husband said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. They lost you. They had to use the paddles on you to wake get you back. And I'm like, what? And it's like, you never told me that. <laughs> no one had ever mentioned that to you. <laughs> 33 years stardom. Did you get it? Yet? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Nobody. No. Wow. No. And I didn't talk about it afterwards. Just that friend encounter and hearing him say that. So, like, I'm super close to my mom. I called her like practically every day and I never even told her. Oh, wow. Or my son who was that baby until just last year. <gasps> oh my gosh. That's crazy. I know, right? Why? Never thought about it. Yep. Never thought about the meaning of it. Right. Until just but last now year. I really get the soul. Like I talk about the three stages of female psyche. Like you come and your parents put filters on you and you encounter the predator and then you become a predator and then you blame everybody else and you don't own your shit. And then you go into the dark night of the soul where you do start owning your shit. Sometimes there's suicide, sometimes there's addictions. And then you finally step back onto what I call stage three, where you came from and everybody's going, Hey, Linda, what do you remember? Like, I'll pay you for that. Cause we just go through this human cycle and we start forgetting who we really are. And as a fully embodied soul, we are very powerful and we are perfectly imperfect. Right. That's so interesting. Mm. So you kind of talked about how you were involved with a Christian group to some degree at some point, but what you're talking about now doesn't sound like what I would correlate with religion, I guess. So what is it that you like soul level believe? Yeah, it's definitely spirituality. I mean, even the seven major religions, they all agree on spiritual truth. 
right? It's like you can't deny it. And you, I always say you can't make up this shit. Yeah. <laughs> For real, <laughs> real dough. And so I had a client who had two heart surgeries, and during her second one, they she kind of was between the worlds because they didn't completely have her under, mm-hmm. and she felt like her light body just coming out of her. She called it and was facing her and was attached by like a cord and then turned over and started floating around. She said, there were all these like gold bubbles and I knew who everyone was. I knew all about them. And I was just saying hi to everybody. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what you hear about. Like in the Bible, like the lamb's book of life. And then like out in Sedona, whatever the orbs, you, you catch them in pictures. Right. And there's this logical explanation on Google. And right. <laughs> spiritually, though, it's like, those are the orbs. And those are like people who aren't in their bodies. Oh my gosh. That was like so fascinating. So basically, it's like, yeah, especially because I work with a lot of people who've had traumas. You leave your body when there's trauma, when you're drunk, when you're a kid with special needs, like, why be in there? Right. You just mm. leave your body and you're just floating around. And you can bring your soul into your body. And I always say, like, get it down in the, that abdomen area. That's your core as a human being. Trainer will tell you, like, work your core. Build it up. Get it strong. And you can bring your soul down into that area, which is called the second chakra. And now you're fully embodied and you're really in your power. And if you should even hear your ego by that time, Mm. you can just thank it. If you don't, it will go over and recruit your, what Eckhart Tolle calls your pain body and give you like a good three memories to get you crying and fearful, (laughs) right? So the ego's there to protect us, warn us of the future or whatever. And doesn't mean you ignore it. It's like, okay, thank you. Mm. So walk at the level of your soul which is a book I did a few years ago, it's talking about the pain body and the ego and the soul. And when you are fully embodied in what I call walking at the level of the soul, it's kind of like plexiglass all the way up and all the way down on your side. So like your ego's over on the right, your pain body's over on the left and you're good to go. And it has been fascinating working mental health wise with people and getting them out of that brain control and you don't even have to like be doing mindset shifts when you're walking at the level of your soul. You're not in duality. Everything just is, and you're not labeling things. You're just observing, you're noticing, and then you're making a decision. And that's why I say everything is a choice. Mm -hmm. So recently I've come to the conclusion that sort of what you're talking about, walking at the level of your soul and self-love and all of those things require you to love the parts about yourself that you don't necessarily like Mm -hmm. even. Right. The way that you do that though, is to basically realize that the parts that you don't like about yourself is basically been conditioned into you via most likely someone else telling you that they didn't like it and therefore you shouldn't like it when you were Mm -hmm. a child or whatever the case may be. Right. So is that like the secret sauce to like loving yourself type thing? Am I on the right track? Well, like 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the process that my husband and I take people through, it's like, it just totally unplugs that whole neural pathway of all that kind of stuff. And you're on the, what we sometimes call the new neural pathway, or really <laughs> your original <laughs> neural pathway that you came in here with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there aren't those filters there anymore. Right. And you can stay on it or not. You can choose to plug it all back in or not. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So it's not all this working to unlearn it and all this kind of stuff. It's so much easier than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think when people talk about like, what do they call it? Like self-work or like working on yourself, basically. You put the word work in there and it starts intimidating people, I think. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Just be people. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just is. Just notice. Make a choice. Make a decision. Right. Move on. Be strong. <laughs> just be who you be. <laughs> who you be. Yeah, man. And accepting both parts of you, as, as my friend Stina Marie always talks about. Mm. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because everybody's different and we all have different parts of ourselves that we may like or not like. So just yep. accept them both and move on and make your choices. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> this has been great. Thank you, Kat. Right? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for joining. If anybody wants to get a hold of you or book you for coaching, do they just go to your website at lindavetrusnichols.com? Yes. And Vetris Nichols, there's a little hyphen in between. So hyphen. it's Linda and then V-E-T-T-R-U-S dash Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S dot com. Perfect. And I'll link that down in the description below as well. So if you guys just want to click on it, it'll take you there. Wait. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation and I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. My pleasure, Kat. I will. Thank you. You too. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Teachable Soul podcast. You can find us on any social media platform, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram as The Teachable Soul or on Twitter as Teachable Soul. Also, if you'd like to help support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash The Teachable Soul. You can also visit our website for more information at theteachablesoul.com. <laughs>